type. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Cold this morning. That's for sure. 35 degrees on Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta High. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, here for Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Hope everyone is waking up well this weekend and has some fun plans. You always need something to stay happy about something to look forward to. It warmed up yesterday. Yesterday felt nice. I mean, I say warm as a relative term. It was 56, 57 degrees, just enough, long enough to play tennis and not freeze. But the wind blew the umbrella right out of my mom's table in the backyard. So uh, the wind was really kicking yesterday. We will hear from Brad Nitz and Kirk Mellish. We'll let you know of any wind advisories if there are any this weekend and how to plan accordingly. So stay tuned for that. A full show today, and I would love to have your calls to 404-872-0750. That's the way you can get on to Green and Growing and get your question asked. And uh, 99% sure you'll get it answered. And if I don't know the answer, this worked really well last weekend. I had a call Wanda, and I really liked her asking about a replacement if she took down uh, Bradford Pear. She really liked the size of it, the shade it provided. I think it was just growing too closely to a sidewalk. So a lot of you chimed in with uh, recommendations, with tree recommendations for her. So I love how that works. So we all kind of work together as a team. Uh, would love to hear your calls, your questions, and still wondering what you plan on doing in the landscape this year that may be different from last year or something you tried last year, you failed at it, which is okay, and you're going to try it again this year, and you're just going back at it. I'm definitely doing seed starting again, and I'm glad to, to bring that up to you because Joe Lample, host of Growing a Greener World on public television, uh, joegardner.com, he's got a garden podcast. I think he's up to 200 episodes on his podcast. He will join me next Saturday, so it's the 23rd, mark your calendars. Joe Lample will be along to talk about seed starting. He has really, really done the research and trial and error. That's really the best way to describe becoming successful at something like that. So this will be my second year doing it. I think I started a little late last year. I started the last week of February. I mean, I just feel like that was too late. So I'm going to start. I'm going to push it back a little bit this year, but same methods except light. I didn't have a bright enough light and that showed. So that's really the only thing I'm going to change. And every year it's ever evolving. Some years you may incorporate a heating pad into it. Some years you may change the lighting a little bit or your water routine or something like that. So anything that you're going to start for the first time or you're trying again, I would love for you to share it with us. 404-872-0750. And at the bottom of the hour, since it's a little chilly outside, I know there's not a whole lot you want to be doing out there this weekend. Uh, Walter Reeves and I are going to talk about houseplant care and so many just really good tips and tricks for being successful at houseplants. And if you don't have any, why? Um, even if you have cats, even if you have dogs, there are so many that are non-toxic, that are safe. Um, there's very creative ways. You know, if you just, you know, you've got a bright window, but where would I put it? I, I don't have anything to put it on, whether it's a table or a shelf or something. There are creative ways that you can position things around your home or office if you're still going into the office and just make your environment a little bit brighter. So Walter's got some great advice for keeping care of those houseplants. I know I need his advice for sure because I just bought a Monstera Deliciosa from Pike Nursery and it was expensive. 
So that's one of those things that's an investment, right? Anything we do in the garden, you're spending a lot of money on potting soil. You're spending a lot of money on building a garden or raised beds or whatever it is. So you want to do it right the first time or at least give it give it your best shot. So we'll go out to the phones now, 11 minutes after the hour. We'll say good morning to Jean calling from Bremen. Jean, it's been a little bit. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. I want to know, were they some, now, I guess for 10 years at least, right here where you back out of my carport, I kept the biggest bed of salvia. Oh, salvia, right, right. Well, I cannot find a pack of seed of red salvia. I have looked for the past two years. I've had all my sisters, everywhere they go, I tell them, look, and tell them to buy me seven or eight packets of them, you know, if they find it. Mm-hmm. We cannot. I have already been to the Lowe's and Home Depot. I've been to Walmart. They're all putting their seeds out. This year, I have not found one pack of red salvia seed. What do you like? Do you like that it attracts the pollinators? Are you drawn to the color? What is it about it that you like? I just, I don't know. <laughs> and everybody you... keeps asking me, why do you not have that? I said, and, but it came back every year right here in this one spot, I guess five years. And then it started sort of dying out. And then I put some hosta around and did some other things. I want it back. Okay. All right. I well, Jean. not find. All right, so we've got Jean from Bremen along asking about red salvia seed, something that she's had that she just really, really wants. You check the big box stores with no success. So, Jean, my two um, recommendations for you, Pike Nursery, because they're still putting a lot of their seed out as well. So um, I know you're out in Bremen. But give one of their stores a call and at least just see um, if that's something they've got. But also... Adams Briscoe Seed Company. Um, Jimmy Adams been around a long, long time. His family down in Jackson, Georgia, and he's got so many. Uh, uh, salvia is not rare, but rare seeds, big variety of seeds. Um, and I'm looking at the seed list, and you'll have to forgive me because it's early and it's 32 pages. So, but just with my eyes squinting this early in the morning, I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't been through 32 pages of it either. Oh. Um, so Adams Briscoe Seed Company would be one. Pike Nursery would be another. And maybe if they don't have it in stock currently, it's something that they could order for you. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to give you the number to Adams Briscoe? Oh, uh, I don't have a pencil right now, but could I get one of my kids to go online? Would they find it? Yeah, that's right. You Google it. Just Google Adams Briscoe Seed, um, and it's down in Jackson, Georgia, and pikenursery.com. And okay. then click on locations there to get phone numbers. Just, you know, at random, pick one of the Pike Nursery locations and ask if that's something they typically have. Blue salvia, maybe, but red, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I found the purple looking and the mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the white. I forget about the white. Yeah. But I want the red. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you kind of answered my question, what attracts you to it? But you said people have asked, like, what neighbors and family have noticed that you don't have it. So it's kind of one of those things you're proud of. You've got something that people don't see a lot. Well, I just, I didn't know. And, and my sister was talking, and she said, you need to call who took over Walter Reed and find out if something's wrong and they took it off the market or something. 
Huh. Yeah, that's a thought. I have not seen anything like that. There's there's usually not very many problems with wildflower seeds and, you know, the things that attract pollinators and stuff. I think it's very rare that something like that would be recalled. Um, but yes, if any if any extension agents know of some little fluke or something with that, let, let me know, certainly. But I, I read a lot of publications and that has not come across my radar. So yeah, maybe it's just one of those things. The demand for it isn't very high. So that's why you're having trouble finding it. But do check back in with me next week, Jean, because I'd be very curious and you've probably at least piqued people's interest to see oh what is this red salvia she's talking about so let me know if you have success finding it stands out it lasts and you just you know peach the tops off and mine came back for years and years i would scratch around in the dirt in the fall when they all died and i had the same bed for years and years Mm -hmm. yeah and now i can't find a seed that's tough. Yeah, and also when you're asking around about it, too, this just dawned on me, too. Um, I know people will probably know what you're talking about when you say red salvia, but also just um, ask for the sage, too, because I think that's a, another common name for it, like scarlet sage or some red name, sage. Oh. Um, so ask for it under both names and just make sure they're clear on what it is you're looking for. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Gene, always good to hear from you. Good luck on your quest, okay? Okay. All right, Bye-bye. take care. 404 So a lot of you inquired last weekend, every, every week I do a garden to-do list, right? The three things that probably are timely and seasonal for you to just get out in the yard and try to make garden, gardening a little less intimidating, right? Just narrowing the target for you. It seems like you're so overwhelmed. There's a lot to do and maybe you don't have time. So if you can just get these three things done every weekend or every week, it makes it a little more manageable. Well, Um, I'm going to start putting that on the Facebook page for you because the lists are pretty good. I compile them from from all over, from many sources online, uh, Pike Nursery, Walter Reeves, other experts, garden experts who are part of the show will give me some advice. Like this morning, Norm Mitleider had some great advice, some things to be thinking about, and he's going to join me next weekend to share those. It's better coming from him than than from me, I think. So I'm going to start sharing those on the Facebook page. So when you go on Facebook... Uh, type green and growing WSB and there you will find the Facebook page like it follow it uh, and I'll try to do that for y'all I will try to be a little bit better about posting that every week in case you in case you miss it or like someone emailed in well I missed it and I wanted my husband to hear it so post those things again so she just had her husband go do all three of those things so it's 618 we've got traffic red alerts I want you to be very 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 careful Uh, Getting on the interstates this morning and certainly listen to Mike Shields' update coming up here to know which interstates to avoid. We'll be right back on Green and Growing on WSB. So I'm afraid yesterday was the warmest day that uh, we were going to enjoy for the next few days. Sad to give you the news here, but it is winter time, so duh, you're expecting it, right? It's the middle of January. So the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, it is going to be a little cloudy, a little overcast, high around 43, lows dipping down below freezing. It's not going to be as windy. They wind, <laughs> Wendy, like the name. No, windy. Uh, 7 to 10 miles an hour. I think yesterday gusts were like up to 30 or something crazy. Um, so that is your uh, that's your forecast today. I lost my place tomorrow. High of 48, low around 33. Again, with these temperatures in different parts of Metro Atlanta dipping down close to, if not below, freezing. 
have all those plans ready. We talked about frost cloths, have them cut and ready to go, cardboard boxes, whatever it is you need, or just a a bed sheet. Since it's not going to rain, something like that to drape over anything you're trying to protect, just make sure that or plastic to anchor it down, right, with the bricks or the rocks around the bottom, and just go out and take it off the next day and let that plant get some sunshine. All right, it's time for this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. And yes, Jason Byers, pillowcases work good too, depending on the plant. Yeah, if you have like a sky pencil holly or something, a, uh, a pillowcase would be great. I use old bed sheets that the dog has torn and they're no longer good with her long her long little toenails. So, uh, so that works too. All right, top three things to do. And I have a guest for one of these. I'm really excited about that. Number one, add winter and early spring bloomers to the landscape. Right now, we're kind of awaiting camellias, edgeworthia, Pieris or Lily of the Valley shrub, all to open. I'm already seeing my hellebores open, my Lenten rose. That's really exciting. So start thinking about those winter blooming plants to add some interest to your landscape if everything just looks kind of drab and brown. Uh, number two, change the oil in any equipment that you've got that has a four-cycle engine. That's a good habit to get into if you haven't done that already. And also check for loose screws, sharpen the blades, that kind of thing. Now is a good time to be doing that. Make sure you don't put the lawnmower away You know, at the end of the season, dirty, caked on with wet grass or mud or anything like that. Uh, number three, winter cleanup time for the lawn and garden, of course. So pull winter weeds if you must. And there are some chemicals that you cannot use now, some herbicides you cannot use Uh, even though some of your grasses may be dormant, so you want to read the labels on that. Just best to pull, manual removal. You can add mulch and rake leaves. And I've got Mary Kay Woodworth, the executive director of the Urban Ag Council, weighing in on propagating Edgeworthia. And the reason she and I thought about this was because I posted a picture in Highway Horticulture on the Facebook page. That's a photo album where I just identify things that you may be seeing. An edgeworthy, a paper bush, is one of those things that you're going to start to see blooming here very soon. If not, some have already started. And Mary Kay loves Edgeworthia and has some great advice. Edgeworthia chrysantha is my favorite plant in my entire landscape. And I've got one I've had about 25 years, and I have made cuttings of it and sent it to so many of my friends throughout the southeast. It's so easy. So what I do is I'll go to the plant, and around the base, you'll find suckers growing, very thin shoots. And I dig around, usually with a a Japanese knife I use or a small shovel, and just dig down and just go straight down in the ground and try to get part of the basal root. And you can pull it up very, very slowly and carefully, and you'll stick it in a pot of planting soil. And I will put it in an area for probably a year that has filtered morning sun and shade in the afternoon. By the second year, it's grown a a little bit, but then it's been in great shape to plant in the ground. An easy plant to propagate, and it'll just give you years of joy. Absolutely, and very fragrant bushes as well, too. They they are probably in the top five of being the most fragrant thing. You may smell them even before you see them. Um, so Edgeworthy, a paper bush, they do best in partial shade, um, not not full shade. They do need some of that sun, so maybe early day sun. Um, they are susceptible, though, to being killed off by a late freeze or by a hard freeze, so that's something you want to think about. They can get pretty large, but again, that may be one of those things 
you're going to want to cover um, when the when the weather gets really cold and the temperatures dip down. I know Walter on his website, WalterReeves.com, we go through cycles as I was answering phones for him for all those years. Um, people would call, you know, there was just routine things that were almost predictable. Every two or three years, there was the same problem with fescue or every two or three years, people would call noticing that their crepe myrtles weren't blooming as much as they were used to. And one year, I, I can't remember, but we must have just had a few really, really hard freezes. And everybody was asking why their Edgeworthia, why their paper bush blossoms were just crumply, just brown and crumple, almost like paper. And it was just dropping the buds before they even had a chance to open, which is so sad. But it was because of a freeze. So that's one of those things that you want to protect. So thank you very much, Mary Kay Woodworth of the Urban Ag Council, for weighing in on that. So that is your garden to-do list for the weekend. Some simple things you can do. Put on the gloves and get out there, especially when you start to change the oil in some of your, your things and check for loose screws and sharpen the blades of of many of your various tools. And if you can't find a place for that, um, I would start with a Pike Nursery or an Ace Hardware or something like that. A lot of those places will sharpen the blades if you don't know how for relatively, you know, a cheap price, pretty, pretty inexpensive. So up next, Walter Reeves and Houseplant Care, a great conversation there and introducing you to some houseplants you may not know about. And give us a call with your garden questions, 404-872-0750. Here until 9 o'clock, I'm Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Trees and Stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Would love to get your garden calls and your garden questions answered today or just something you want to brag about. 404-872-0750. Anything that you're thrilled to be seeing in the landscape right now, a way you propagated something with some success. Um, I know the one thing, I haven't posted pictures yet, but seeing spring flowers already or at least the beginnings of spring in a winter garden things that I was just so thrilled to walk around the landscape and and see something to look forward to again um, I'm going to be sharing those pictures but hellebores Lenten rose those are already opening and that is such a cool plant you need to look it up if you're not sure what I'm talking about but it can grow in the exact same conditions where hostas do really well so it doesn't need a lot of sun almost more of like a woodland type low growing um, dark green leaves with just these antique looking flowers is really the only way I can describe it with thick petals, but all different colors, multiple colors on one. And they're almost like just faded, more muted colors. They're so beautiful. So that's just one thing that I'm loving to see right now. And I would love uh, for your input too. But now it's time to do this. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Here he is, back with us for another exciting edition of Walter Wonders. Good morning, Walter Reeves. Good morning, Ashley Fresca. Good morning, good morning. Always good to have you. You are a, a flawless standby for 6.30 every <laughs> Saturday morning, and I appreciate it, and I know the listeners do. But 
I want to start off with the story. I want to tell you something I was really excited about, and I don't think you know. Tell me, tell me. I had a little bit of extra money, you know, some Christmas money, shopping in Pike Nursery for some stuff I needed, brought back the Christmas tree stand about a week ago, and I used some of my money and my in-store credit to get a new Monstera Deliciosa. Did I say that right? You did. It's a beautiful, huge plant, and yeah. I'm so glad I bought it. I'm so excited. So that is the latest addition to my house plant collection. It might also be the latest addition to your investments for your future. Interesting now that some house plants are worth more than thousand dollars. They're worth a lot of money. So the very rare ones. I couldn't believe it when I looked this up. Monstera is not terribly expensive. It's a variegated one. Is worth six, I think, thousand dollars for the variegated Monstera. Crazy. That's nuts. You know, I just interviewed uh, our former coworker, Pat Tedeschi's son, Ryan, last weekend, yeah. 15 years old. And I just about got the wind knocked out of me when I asked him, what's the most you've ever spent on a house plant? And he said $125. So who oh, knew, like no. a week or two later, I wouldn't be too far behind him. <laughs> wow. Look at that. But I'm excited about this house plant, and I wanted to talk to you about just general house plant care because I want to get off on the right foot with this Monstera. I do want it to be an investment. Um, I plan to stake it up. I've done some research. It is kind of bushy. It's not like a ficus tree or fiddle leaf fig, but you can stake it using some sphagnum moss around a stake and just gently, you know, Velcro or use those rubber plant ties to kind of make it a little more upright so that it gives the appearance that it's um, a tree. How many houseplants can you think of where that might be beneficial, like maybe more vining Mm. houseplants that you would want to stake? Yeah, the golden pothos, of course, is a vining plant. I've seen pothos plants that go from somebody's office desk up to the window, over the top of the window, down the side <laughs> of the window, and across to the next co-worker's desk. So they're one that a trellis or a pole or something like that for the golden pothos. I want to go back to the monstera and just say it's more flopsy, I think, than anything else. It's just not a plant that grows erect naturally, mm-hmm. but it depends on other things that go on. It grows on tree trunks and things like that in the jungle. And so by putting a stake in there, you're sort of mimicking what would happen in the jungle. I'm afraid of, you know, us walking by it or the dog walking by it, knocking a a branch or a leaf off. Those leaves are so yeah. large. But yeah, yeah just the more upright it is, it feels like it's it's a little bit safer. So I've got that. And the, the dining room is east-facing, stays really warm. So that's perfect in the spot that it's in. I've got a croton in there that I've managed to keep alive for a number of years. You know, the Good. It, it's it doesn't really flower. It's just that colorful, leafy plant that you see in Florida by Lanai's and stuff. You see it alongside red ties, too. And those leaves don't stay green. They're, I don't I guess we wouldn't call them variegated, but they do start to change into reds and orange and even some mm-hmm. purple, you know, tints on those leaves. Um, and a maiden hair fern. I've got some amaryllis and, oh, two orchids. So, in general, I understand that you've got some tips for us on how to care for these. I've got a specific tip for you. Okay. Since you just told me about the light levels and how bright and warm it is in your in your room there. Make a little note on your calendar. Every month, I think, is about right. Turn them 180 degrees. Oh, okay. Because if you don't, the monstera particularly will start stretching over toward the window, and it will fall over of its own accord. It'll just flop over because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. So turning them makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. It makes them not uh, unbalanced, I guess is the word. It balances them out, so it's, you know, the amount of light to the backside as it gets, as it gets to the far side. And I can see the same with the orchids, too. You know, right now they only have three, maybe four long leaves coming out, and I can kind of see the leaves start to lean one way for sure. Other tips, uh, one of them is to use, always be using your digital water meter. 
And that's a little funny thing to do with big audiences. When I say you have a digital water meter right at the end of your hand, it's called your finger. If you want to know when to water a houseplant, it's simple. Put your finger into or at least on the surface of the soil in the pot. And if your finger comes back wet, it doesn't need to be watered. If it comes back dry, it needs to be watered. So your little digital water meter tells you a lot about the health of a plant. And there are a lot of plants, a lot of houseplants die from overwatering because we remember grandma used to water her plant every three weeks. So I would water mine every three weeks. So that may not be right for your plant. Your plant may only need to be watered every four weeks, two weeks. Your finger tells the tale. And they take up a lot less water in the wintertime, I've learned yeah, as well. Good so point. you, good you point. are distracted with the holidays and all these other things, which is perfectly fine because then you may forget to water them like you normally do. But in the wintertime, that's okay. And the same plant may be different depending on where it is in the room. If it's near a heater vent, you know, or near a window, there's a draft coming down the window or air flowing across the leaves, that plant needs more water than a plant that's in a more calm place in the room. Now, with houseplants, you know, especially if you walk into like a pike nursery, they're broken down into high light, medium light, and low light. That way you kind of know what plant to look for based on the space, whether it's in your office or a bedroom or a bathroom or something like that. Do you believe in light meters or just the old trick with a white piece of paper? Yeah, I mean, a digital light meter at the end of your your arm. That's your hand. (laughs) The way you can sort of tell what light level you have in a particular spot, if you want to, let's say, put an uh, African violet in a spot, if you know light's medium to low light, not very bright light, if it's bright light, it tends to burn the leaves. You take a piece of of white paper, we used to call it typing paper, but nobody types anymore, so a white piece of copy paper, put it in a spot where you're going to put your houseplant and hold your hand a foot above it when light is, is. being focused in that area. Oh. If you see a real sharp outline, that's high light. If you see a very dim outline on your hand, that's very low light. And something in between, of course, is medium light. And so that digital light meter that you have at the end of your arm can also help you to match your plant to the light level. And when you're doing this, don't be standing in your own shadow because that's <laughs> that's going to mess it up. <laughs> but that's, that's a pretty cool trick. You know, I have some plants. I just, in the past, uh, this past week, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution column that I write every week, I had some plants that are really tolerant of really low light levels. Would you like me to share that with you? Yeah, because that's good for offices, bedrooms, you know, yeah. somewhere that stays yeah. a little darker, sure. ZZ plant. Uh-huh. It's one of those that's named ZZ plant because no one can pronounce the name. Yeah, both words start with a Z, right? Yeah, Zamacolia, I think is the scientific name, but ZZ plant is a really easy one. It's a low light tolerant to the fall. They'll stay back in the back corner of a room, you know, and live there happy as it can be for five years. Uh, pothos, we mentioned the pothos earlier, is pretty shade tolerant, I guess we call it. Oh, a cast iron plant, Aspidistra. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name tells you what it does. Cast iron plant, it can live anywhere you want to put a plant and it still will not fall. It will not fade. It will not get yellow. Just cast iron plant, put it back in the back corner again, and it lasts for a long time. Parlor palm, too, could stand being pretty much shady, low light levels all day long. So parlor palm was a good one, too, for the back where the, there's not much sunshine in the room. And I got one more for you, too. Sansevera <laughs> or mother-in-law's tongue, what do you yeah, think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Another one that is just hard to kill. That no one just grows upright. Those leaves just stand. They spike completely upright, and they're pretty neat looking in a pot. Yeah. All right, I got one more question for you in regards to house plants. Like I said, my croton. I probably should just go 
along the top of the leaves and you know wipe them down with a damp cloth or a damp paper towel or something and i have yet to do that um but there yeah. are products that clean the leaves or products that you can spray you know so what what are we better off doing walter using a product mm-hmm. in a bottle or just good old h2o h2o okay. absolutely h2o and what i find on my broadleaf plants indoors the easiest thing for me to use is a cotton sock, just a regular yeah. old cotton sock, gym sock, and you dampen it with water. Put one hand underneath the leaf, one hand on top of the leaf that has the cotton sock on it, and just wipe the cotton sock across the top of the leaf. It cleans it off pretty. It shines because it's own waxes. But these products that are sold to make leaves shiny really more clog the pores than anything else. They don't really help the plants. And then when you're done with the sock, you make a sock puppet. <laughs> yeah, one more thing, uh, Ashley. Okay. And that's fertilizer. Oh, a lot gosh. of people think that, well, plants need to be fertilized regularly. And houseplants in the wintertime do not need to be fertilized because they're not growing. They don't have much light on them. Even though they may be growing in a sunny winter, they still don't really have enough light on them to require fertilizer. So you can miracle grow during the spring and summer when they have lots of light on them. In the wintertime, I would avoid fertilizing completely because it just tends to burn roots and doesn't do any good for the plant. It doesn't make it any happier or healthier, either one. Great talk about houseplants, Walter. I don't think this is a topic that we've covered before, so hopefully this was uh, very helpful. They're beneficial to us in so many other ways, just creating kind of a peaceful space, a relaxing space, and they've even been shown to reduce stress. You can talk to them, name them, (laughs) whatever you feel like you need to do to kind of make your environment a little happier. Human beings grew up in the jungle, and I think because of that, Plants make humans happy. You just said it perfectly, Ashley. They do. I never thought I could be as excited as I am about a houseplant. My husband just kind of went, oh, boy, when I brought it home. But I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Walter, thanks for stopping by. We will talk to you next Saturday. We want to talk about shrub transplanting. Is it too late or not? I will prepare for that. See you soon. So that is one of the most important things when taking a houseplant into consideration is the light that you have, right? An eastern or southeastern facing window is probably going to be best if it's something that needs bright light. And of course, we're not talking about having it directly in the sun, but that light filtering through a bright open window. So I love Walter's trick there about holding your hand above a piece of paper and checking out the shadow. That's probably the first thing you should do. Um, you know, at a certain time of day, probably between, I would say, 10 and 1, just to make sure, you know, if it's eastern facing, that's when it's going to be the brightest. Um, check out that that shadow and see if you have high light or medium light or low light. And that's really the first way you can go about choosing the right houseplant for that space. And also, if you see something that a friend has that you like, there's more than likely an easy way to propagate it. Um, You can take a cutting from a plant that they have, either stick it in water, just depending, or stick it in some soil and keep that soil a little damp to make sure that propagation, that new cutting can can root and take hold uh, and be ready to just watch it grow and become its own plant, a brand new plant. And if you missed my interview with 15-year-old Ryan Tedeschi, 15 years old, with an extensive, extensive knowledge base for so many different kinds of houseplants. That was a great interview. I had a lot of fun doing that. Go back to wsbradio.com and click on On Demand and look for my interview with Ryan. You'll learn a lot about houseplants there just from his passion and his enthusiasm and things that he has tried and been very successful with. And I'm certainly going to steal some tips from him as well. All right, time to check on some traffic. Red alerts in the 24-hour traffic center with Mike Shields. We'll be right back on Green and Growing. You're listening to WSB.
35 degrees right now in downtown Atlanta, waking up to chilly temperatures for sure. But you know what? We have your forecast for the weekend, so you know how to plan ahead. You're going to want to bundle up today. Highs only getting into the low 40s, lows dipping down around 28, 29 degrees, a mix of sun and clouds. It's going to be breezy and cold. Right now, the wind at like 7 miles an hour, maybe a little less. Tomorrow, same, mix of sun and clouds, partly cloudy. Warming up a little more high of around 48, low around 33. And then we're looking at sun to begin the work week. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. And I went ahead in, in one of the breaks and put this up on the uh, Facebook page too. Green and growing WSB is what you search on Facebook just so you can kind of reference back. I'll try to get better about doing that every week for you because I, I remember, you know, it's in front of my eyes, but you don't necessarily see it once we go off the air at nine o'clock. Th- what was she saying? What was number three? So try to write it out and uh, put it up for you on the Facebook page. But pretty simple stuff this weekend. I know it's going to be chilly, but really a lot of it just has to do with maintenance, right? I mean, we can transplant trees and shrubs right now. There are a lot of things to be planted. Um, so that is one of the things. Start thinking about maybe winter and early spring bloomers, right? So you always have something flowering in the landscape almost 12 months out of the year. And now is a good time to get those in the ground. Something like Camellia, Edgeworthia, Pieris, um, all of those are going to be really early bloomers. So you can think about uh, planting them, you know, just make sure to not plant things like this too deeply. That is going to be the key to success of putting shrubs like that in is where it is in the pot when you get it from the nursery. It doesn't need to be any deeper than that. So you need to make sure you keep the the base of that stem, the base of that trunk up above ground and just till up the soil around it really, really, really well. Break it up from that Georgia red clay so that when the roots do start to grow, they have somewhere to go out. They're not trying to break through uh, hard red clay. You've already kind of loosened it up and broken it up for them. And when you plant things like that, like Camellia, Edgeworthia, Pieris, any of that, um, you want to make sure, sure, if you fertilize, that's fine. But the nitrogen number, that that first number, when you see 10, 10, 10 or something like that, that first number is nitrogen, not so concentrated with that number being high because that's going to help the plant grow up. But we really want to focus on the roots, right? You want to make sure it has good roots to establish itself first. And then we worry about it growing up and out and leafing out and all those kinds of things. So that may be a good idea, too to add some kind of, um, you know, appropriate fertilizer to help boost the roots along. I'm already seeing hellebores. That's a great plant, and that is one that you can propagate, but, of course, pick up at the nursery. Hellebores have green leaves, green foliage on them all winter long, and then they do. It's called Lenten rose because they always bloom before, um, before Easter and before Lent, but they're great plants to have. If you've got a shady spot, a, a spot that stays maybe a little more wet, they're going to do just fine there. Wherever you have hostas, wherever, that's what I always say, whatever conditions hostas are in, hellebores are going to do the same. Number two, change the oil and any equipment with a four-cycle engine. If you don't know how to do that, that's okay. But if you do, thinking about doing that once a year, and now would be a great time to do it. And check all of your equipment, whether it's your backpack blower or your trimmer and your edger or your mower. Check for loose screws. Sharpen the blades and the mowers. Also on your pruners, your loppers, all your hand tools as well. Um, you can buy, you know, very easy 
tools to help sharpen those yourself. Just be very careful. Pay attention as you're doing it. And number three, winter cleanup time. Yep, for the lawn and garden. You're tired of looking at the dead leaves. Maybe you've pulled them aside and set them aside for a compost pile. That's a great idea. I just cringe when I drive through the city, when I actually drive through Atlanta and see bags and bags and bags of leaves out at the curb. Uh, that people put, you know, for the city of Atlanta to come pick up as trash because that would make such good compost. If you have the time and you have the space, rake the leaves, do that with them, or at least just dump them back into the woods somewhere. Maybe put them up around beds. You know, if you don't have the money for mulch and you don't have time to go out and get mulch, that's going to be just fine to kind of surround some trees under some hedges and things with some leaves. They're all going to break down. Pull winter weeds and add mulch. Add mulch to some of the beds. Now is a great time. And you don't have to. A lot of people wonder, do I need to remove the existing mulch that I've had down for a year or two? Do I need to pull that back? And the answer is no. Um, you can, in, Unless there's been some kind of disease problem with the plant that it's around, um, you're certainly welcome to just leave that there. It's just more stuff that's going to break down and go into the soil and make that soil really happy. So add mulch. A good two inches. I wouldn't even bother doing it if you're going to do less than two inches deep. That's really where you're going to get the weed suppression and the moisture control and all of that from a good layer of mulch. All right, coming up on 7 o'clock, time for news, weather, and traffic. My celebrity gardener in the next hour, Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy and a very good gardener himself. You don't want to miss it at 7.06. I'm Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.